Hello and welcome to Table Topics, the general advice and discussion podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and this is Table Topics episode number 70, Hit Points? In this episode, Caleb and I are joined by special guest Matthew, who you should know from our Secret Slides and the Undead actual play podcasts, as well as some of our The Trial podcasts. And we talk about all things hit points, specifically in Dungeons and Dragons, and even more specifically in Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons. So, what are they? Uh, what do they? What do they mean narratively? How do you describe if you get hit for four points of damage? What does that really mean? And what does that look like in the game? Uh, we talk about some of the uh, alternate rules and even some homebrew rules that we've used to make hit points a little bit different. Uh, and we also touch on things like armor class and saving throws. Because those are the things that generally will get you hit, and then you'll lose hit points. So uh, here you go. Here is Table Topics, episode number 70, Hit Points. Hello and welcome to Table Topics. I am Michael, and I have brought along with me, as I always do, my favorite co-host and yours, the Caleb G. Caleb, how are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I am doing 70% of Marvelous. Oh, wow. So how does that fall in the uh, fate ladder? Um, plus three? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm not good at math. Uh, math is hard. Math is hard. Uh, I fall on the numerical scale circle. Sounds that, legit. That joke was better in my head. Just fucking ignore that. It'll be edited out. No one will hear it. You always say that. Which <laughs> is a lie. Such, oh, a lie. It's such a lie. Oh, wait. Wait. Is there a ghost in the machine? I'm hearing another no, voice. What the, I, what's going I on? Think that, I think that voice we're hearing is the voice that the people in our iTunes comments have been clamoring for. Yes. Yes. At long last, Matthew has returned to the airwaves of the Academy. A thank Huzzah! you. A, a thank you. A thank you. iTunes reviews, please rain down upon my face and my eyes. I have come to bring you all tidings of great joy. So, Matthew, since you are, according to the people, already the co-host, um, I'll let you handle the next part. <laughs> okay. Is that uh, with these with these table topics, we like to try to give some advice and uh, some wisdom gleaned from our many years playing tabletop RPGs. Mm. And we know that the advice that we give or the opinions we share will not work for everybody at every time at every table. But there is one piece of advice that we do think is pretty universal. And uh, Matthew, what is that one piece of advice? Well, that piece of advice is simple. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. Wow, you did that better than Caleb. Maybe we need to switch it up, make this the Matthew and Michael show. So before we get into the show tonight, we do have a couple announcements that we want to cover. Uh, first of all, we have two new patrons that we want to give a shout out. If you're not aware, we do have a Patreon campaign going, and this is a way that uh, listeners to the show that want to show their support financially can set up a monthly donation that they give to us through the Patreon website that allows us to do bigger and better and cooler things. And then in exchange for that donation, we have some rewards and incentives built in. And we have two new patrons that have decided to give us some hard-earned cash to help our show grow. Um, and uh, Caleb, who are these two new patrons? Uh, well, Michael, uh, what we have listed on our new patron page, whether they be aliases or real names, we have Danny S. and Pateri T. So thank you very much, gentlemen. Yes, thank you so very much. That is very kind of you. We don't have any new iTunes reviews, so Kayla will not be reading them awkwardly or otherwise at the end of this episode, but we would like to add uh, some more. And if you want to call me Matthew or just think Matthew should run the show, that's fine. But go onto iTunes and uh, please leave us a review. Uh, it helps us to get the feedback and it also helps us in the iTunes algorithm. The more five-star reviews we get, the more likely we will, we will be pushed up the list and more people will find us. So with all of that out of the way, let's get into the show, and we're going to start with our Gamer's Lexicon. Matthew, you are the third guest host today, so what is our Gamer's Lexicon for today? Our Gamer's Lexicon of the day is HP, or Hit Points. Ah, Hit Points, yes. And Caleb, how would you, as our Crunch Master, 
define hit points in most RPGs or specifically D&D and then even more more specifically 5th edition? Well, in general, hit points are a representation of the amount of damage you can take before your character is unconscious or killed. That's pretty simple. Pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much it. There's uh, there's not a whole lot else to it. But yet, the idea of hit points seems to generate a lot of questions, a lot of different perspectives. I don't I want to go so far as to say arguments, but certainly different points of view uh, on many of the forums that I'm on, Reddit in particular. I see questions almost daily about hit points and ways to make them more realistic or less realistic or to speed up healing or slow down healing to basically to try to fit the theme of the game you're going to talk about. So we're going to spend a few minutes today talking about hit points, what we think they are, how we use them in our games, and then offer some uh, optional rules or alternate versions of the rules that you could use to help fit the theme. But before we do that, we're going to touch on a couple other topics about before you can lose hit points, you have to be hit or damaged in some way. And a couple different ways that that really comes about or or the mechanics of that uh, have to do with your armor class and saving throws. So we are going to pretty much touch on D&D and then again, 5th edition D&D pretty much specifically. So Matthew, I'll go back to you. So explain to our audience what exactly an armor class represents in a D&D game. Your armor class represents your ability to, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say avoid damage, but how easy it is to hit you. And that takes into account the armor you're wearing and your dexterity or your, you know, uh, proficiency with the armor or all three. Or, and the magicalness of the armor and proficiencies. And that's that's one of the things that I see a lot of conversation around a lot, where people can get caught up on armor class isn't a very realistic representation of that. And what I see very often is like someone says, well, if someone's wearing full plate armor, they should be easier to hit, but harder to damage. And if someone's not wearing armor at all, they should be harder to hit, but easier to damage. And there are other game systems that do sort of reflect that in a more realistic way. D&D has basically said, this is how we're going to do it. It's not necessarily realistic, but it's balanced and it's fair. And I think that a lot of people do get caught up on that a little bit because they want to add in a different functionality like damage resistance. Because that mm-hmm. would make sense if, you know, my armor class, I'm wearing like some magical stone dwarven armor. My AC's 38, but I move like a turtle. Yeah, you could hit me all day, but it's never going to actually hurt me in any way. But I think that adds, again, an additional complication to the game, which some people might enjoy that level of granularity. For me, I think AC works pretty well. What do you think about that, Caleb? What's your feeling on AC, sort of a damage resistance, and and how you use that in your games? Uh, Man, there is no straight answer to this question, like most of the questions we bring up on this show. Every single game has its own way of interpreting hitting people and how hard or difficult it is to hit people and what happens as a result of hitting people or missing people with an attack. Michael, I think you said it pretty well when you said this is how Dungeons & Dragons does damage. And whether or not you agree with the concepts it works within the rules, and it's balanced within the structure of the system. A a lot of other games make it really complicated, and they do so, I think, to add in that level of realism. But when you add in that second level of realism, the complication just exponentially skyrockets. So on one hand, I do agree that a system that quote-unquote makes sense is a little bit more fun to play. But then there's three or four more steps involved with rolling your attacks and damage, and that can take away from the fun at the table. With Dungeons & Dragons, specifically 5th edition, because that's primarily what we're talking about, it's streamlined. It's very, very simple to deal with an attack hitting or missing, and the damage that happens afterwards. So for that sake, I think a a static, very simple concept of AC is welcome. It's not 100% realistic, but neither is the game. We're playing with magic and monsters. It doesn't have to be realistic. Right. 
Absolutely. And again, we're going to get into hit points specifically in just a second. And, and I think that like basically we're talking about half a conversation right now and we're trying to dance around it a little bit because we don't want to jump ahead. So let's, let's go ahead and get to the other side. So we're going to talk about the different ways that you can get hit to the point that you take damage because that's where hit points come in. The first being armor class, many attacks in the game, whether they be a ray of frost or a crossbow or a great sword, pretty much vast majority of them attack your armor class, and that's an active role that one player makes or an NPC or monster makes against another character NPC or, or um, PC NPC or monster. Another way that characters can, ca- can take damage in D&D 5th edition is by failing a saving throw. And a saving throw is sort of a, a version of an ability check. I don't, I don't remember the exact parlance that it has in the book, but the way I understand it is if I'm actively trying to do something then I will probably roll an ability check. If I want to jump a pit, I roll my dexterity, or if I have acrobatics or athletics, then I can use that as a skill, but I am rolling to try to accomplish something. A saving throw is sort of the reverse of that, is when you are reacting to something that's about to happen to you, and that would be where the floor falls out from under you, and you're falling into a pit, you would make a dexterity save to try to get back on one side or or make it across. Or if you get bit by a venomous tree spider, and you want to see if your body takes damage from the poison, you're trying to resist that with a con save. Am I missing anything particular, or is that pretty much the basis of it? That sounds about right to me. One of the things that 5th edition has done, they have shifted a lot of the focus towards relying directly on the six core stats of your player character. Uh, In earlier editions, there was a bigger focus on skills that were derived from the stats, and the stats themselves really only existed to create the modifiers of those new skills. And only in certain situations would you rely on a raw stat roll. In 5th edition, with all the streamline of the rules, there are only a few skills And it is more in the GM's hand to say, okay, this is a dex check or an intelligence check, uh, and then determine whether or not it falls into the realm of an associated skill or a save. Okay, Matthew, anything to add to that? No, I think that pretty much summed it up. I mean, well, it didn't sum it up, but it pretty much explained (laughs) it. Okay, so so we'll move into actual hit points now, because again, I, it, this is a very simple topic, but there's a lot of different avenues to go about it, and again, we've touched on it already a little bit, but something happens to your character, you are hit, whether it be by a sword, fireball, magic missile, snake bite, pit trap, whatever, you've either been hit or you fail to save, and now your character takes damage, They you, you have a reduction in hit points. So what does that actually mean in the narrative of the game? Let's say I'm a first-level fighter, and I have decent constitution, so I have 13 hit points. And I'm fighting with a guy. He's got a great sword. I got a great sword. He hits me for seven damage. How does that translate? And this could be subjective in some ways, but how does that translate? I'll start with you, Matthew. How does that translate in a game that you're playing or you're running? Does that mean that you your armor took a little bit of damage? Does that mean that you physically got stabbed and now you're bleeding into the boots of your armor? Did that just mean that you jumped out of the way very quickly and you lost those points? So no, you weren't actually hit, but in game terms, you are now less resistant to future hits because of that. How, how do you sort of play that? I think it all depends on, on the, uh, on ever, excuse me. It all depends on everything. You're, you're, whether, you know, what you're, what you're playing with, what he's wearing, how bad you hit him. Uh, you know, how you describe it, I think that all has to do with it. You know, I've never had a problem with hit points, so, uh, you know, if you, you're swinging around a great axe and the guy's wearing plate mail armor and you bash him for, you know, you crit him, obviously you're, you're, you're taking out a chunk of his leg or, or his back or whatever, and he's gonna keep fighting because he has more hit points, but that, that's just the way you describe it, so it becomes what happened. Do I think that's a great representation of how, sentient creatures would actually battle each other with weapons? No. But it's the way D&D does it, so it's the way we do it. All right, what about you, Caleb? How do you see that happening, or how do you think it should, or, or do you like to play it? Oh, man. This is not an easy answer. If we look at the book definition in 5th edition, 
the book says hit points are more similar to stamina than actual physical bodily health. And in the course of a fight or an encounter or any sort of potentially dangerous situation, when you lose hit points, you are just wearing yourself down. It's endurance. It's how long you can focus on the fight and stay effective in the fight. Uh, when you get to zero, you're probably unconscious, not necessarily dead. I like that understanding of hit points because it is putting a little bit of logic into this arbitrary set of rules. And I know I'm going off topic a little bit here, but think of think of it more like a boxing match. In a boxing match, the, the, the fighters are going to dance around, they're going to be exerting themselves, they're going to be throwing out shots, they're going to be taking hits, but the end game basically happens with that one haymaker punch that drops the opponent to the ground. Hit points, in one definition, are a little bit like that. They're, they're how long you can stay in the fight and stay effective until that one final blow knocks you out. And whether that blow kills you or just drops you unconscious, it's kind of like the hits don't count until you're dead. That's a really good analogy. That's how I like to play it as well. But it's it's weird. Is in my head, that's how I like to play it, and I would explain it that way. In my mind, every character has one hit point. What I call we have the they have one health point. Hit points are when you are getting hit by the game terms, like you scored a hit because you rolled the right die or you you failed. But again, you're you're exhausting your stamina, you're exhausting your luck, you're deflecting that arrow at the last second with your shield, but it strains your shoulder, so it hurts, so that you took two points of damage is is narratively is reflecting all that energy that you've expended. And eventually, like your analogy with a boxer, one thing really gets through and actually hits you takes you to zero and either kills you or puts you unconscious or whatever the story dictates. But when I'm running a game, I am just as likely if someone rolls an attack and they get us, you know, they, they do maximum damage. Maybe it's not a critical. They just roll the maximum. And I, when I'm describing that as the DM, I'm very likely to say the arrow finds a, a loose part of the armor and it sticks into their shoulder and blood gushes out. And I think it's, it's easy and natural for us to try to describe those hits very, you know, uh, with florid prose and, and make them interesting and visceral and then at the same time sort of <laughs> invalidate the worldview I have about hit points. So I think I need to find a way to a better way to explain it in game that that doesn't happen because that, that's my view. I think you should have one actual hit points. The rest of it is just a reflection of that energy and stamina. And the reason I think that is it makes the rest of the game make more sense in terms of leveling up as well as healing in the game, long rest, short rest, and ma magical healing. Because if you think of every hit point as actual damage, and you get to like fifth level and you have 40 hit points, if you translate that to narrative, you would look like you went through a meat grinder by the time you get down to one hit point. But you take a five-minute break, and then you're back up at them and you're ready to go. And I think it's hard for some people to reconcile that in their head that like that doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense. Because that's not the way the game interprets that. Does that make sense? It does. And I think, to to speak to what you said first about describing the hits and, and saying, oh, that, that axe connected and took a chunk out of his leg or, uh, you know, it cleaved through his shoulder and, and stuck right in there. That's us being dramatic and entertaining. And we like explaining uh, with those really thick, visceral explanation to put to put us into the mood into the world of the game but in fifth edition specifically the fact that fifth edition looks at hit points in terms of endurance instead of damage it makes perfect sense that you can recover endurance with a short rest or with a second wind if we look at an older edition like Pathfinder or 3.5, where I think in that terminology, hit points were a little bit more akin in game terms to real damage. When magical healing could be thrown around a lot more, it was a little bit easier to envision 
a chunk being taken out of your flesh and a cleric simply magically mending it and the flesh growing back. It's it's just as fun to have a cleric describe his magic with filling in the flesh and regrowing bone as it is to explain the hit of a sword taking off that chunk of flesh or a fireball singeing away and burning away uh, your, your flesh and bone. Yeah, I can remember like in basic D&D back in, back in the day when I would play that, that if you took five points of damage, that was like a week. You had to go back to town and, and you got like one point a day plus your con modifier or something. It was like some ridiculous amount of time that you had to spend resting unless you had access to magical healing because it represented physical damage. I mean, you had like a concussion. Your, you know, your jaw was broken and you, your arm was almost fallen off. So you had to go back and rest up in town before you hit your next dungeon. But with the sort of the advent of, of the game as it's modified and they're trying to make it not better, but faster, more streamlined, they have sort of changed the, the look and the view of health points. And personally, I like them better now than then, but I like a game that's more like an action movie. I mean, think about like Die Hard. You know, that's a great example of, uh, you know, John uh, McClane, he's runs through the glass, his feet get cut to shreds, but he pulls the glass out in the next scene, he's ready to go again. He's still weary, and he's, he's worn down, his health points are, you know, it's like his stamina is down, but he's not almost dead the whole time. So the types of games that I that I like to run, which is in a, in a lot of ways kind of like an action movie, it makes a lot more sense to view them that way. And like I said, specifically, it it makes re- health getting back from short rest and, and long rest make a lot more sense if you think of them that way than if you think of them as actual health. Because if you do that, then the short rest hit point regain is just dumb because it's just a way to get back in the action quicker, which it is. But I think that's why they modified hit points to make it match. Well, if we're if we're talking about the movie version of, of hit points, let's just bring up Last Action Hero, because there is a perfect explanation of, oh, a movie character can shrug off this, but a real world character can't, as perfectly exemplified by Schwarzenegger being bleeding out and dying in the real world. He gets thrown back on screen with the magic ticket, and he gets up off the gurney, and he's totally fine. He's like, this is just a scratch or a flesh wound or something. And he's like literally about to die in one scene and he's completely, you know, fine in the other. A, a right. minor scratch. Silly example, but it really does kind of exemplify both sides of this argument. I would say that uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, also does this very well with the Black Knight. Oh, perfect. That every time I hit you, I don't cut your arm off because eventually you would be a legless, armless guy on the ground trying to bite me. But yet you still have a couple hit points left, so you're not dead. Exactly. Hit points can really mean anything you want. And if you want them to represent grievous bodily harm, then as long as how you're running healing and recovery matches that, it's okay. Going back to something we we brought up earlier, we talked about AC and what that means, whether it's simply absorbing a blow or deflecting a blow, whether it means your armor is accepting that damage and blocking it or whatnot. It, it, it's all based on how you're explaining it. I mean, for example, uh, if you if you listen to any of the games uh, run by uh, the excellent James D'Amato over on OneShot, you will hear him in the course of an encounter describe a fight in different ways. He will describe, okay, well, you 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 absorbed that blow with your armor, but then. Uh, you reacted in time, and you ducked out of the way, and then you blocked the next one with your sword. Uh, he kind of explains AC differently based on the context of the fight. And I think that has to be done to maintain an exciting game. Hit points can also kind of fall into that, define them as you need to to keep the game exciting venue. If you need that really visceral moment of your arm got chopped off, but you're still fighting, hit points can do that. If you if you need to define, all right, you're absolutely exhausted, you've been struggling for hours, but you're still powering through because you're a hero and you're trying to save the day, hit points can be that too. 
Well, it's one of the things that I've done in the past, uh, you know, I've said it many, many times before, I'm, I'm a guy that will fudge an encounter to make it exciting and interesting and fair if I, if I realize I've, I've put a bad encounter together and I'm going to kill everybody. And sometimes I can do that in ways that aren't just <clears throat> rolling a D20 and lying about what I get. Uh, and I'm, I've actually done that fairly recently in one of our Patreon games that we're running with uh, Lucas from uh, City of Brass. Uh, there's a, a, a young lady in that game who's just excellent with her bow. And I had a few goblins go against them. And I kind of felt like because they had been rolling kind of bad that I was afraid that the goblins might, you know, kill them. So she rolled a roll. It was pretty good, pretty good high roll. And she, her damage was pretty good. So I narrated it that she actually hit the, the arm of one of the goblins, making them unable to use their bow. So it basically allowed her to take out one of the NPCs with one shot because I described that hit as physically doing damage into the shoulder and the arm. And it was a way to kind of drop out one of the bad guys, make it kind of cool. She felt like she did a good job, which was awesome. So if, you know, from the fun quotient, that was a great moment. I think I, I would give myself an A for effort at DMing that, but I could have very easily just said, well, you actually hit the goblin's bow and break it. It would have accomplished the same thing taking them out of the fight at that moment, but it would not have invalidated my idea that hit points are one. I think I'm just, I'm, I've played the old version so much that I'm still in my head thinking of hit points as health points. And that's just sort of my natural tendency. And I need to remind myself of it more often when I'm DMing. So Matt, we've kind of been talking over you. Do you have anything you want to jump in there with, uh, with your take on hit points, any good examples, or maybe move the discussion into some alternate rules to make it more gritty or more realistic in your games? I was actually going to say that. Um, recently, the only gaming I'm doing outside of playing with you guys is uh, basically I'm running a system agnostic uh, zombie apocalypse game for my fiance and a few of our friends. And nobody touches a die except me. And there's no rules. I'm just rolling a d20 to decide what happens. So... Uh, we've had a bunch of Mexican standoffs between the players, and it gets kind of dicey sometimes. And basically, when they went to shoot each other, I was rolling this d20 to see if they would hit each other, and just like randomly, arbitrarily decided that I didn't want them to hit each other at this time. So whatever number came up didn't matter, so they just didn't hit each other until they eventually did, and then I went with what the gun they were using would do as opposed to what hit points would happen, you know what I'm saying? So, like, one guy took a shotgun and shot another guy, and that guy was wearing a backpack and a bunch of stuff. So I was like, okay, he's hit. Most of the shot went into the backpack, and the rest of it peppered his arms and legs. So he's fine, and you still got shot with a pistol before, so you're bleeding out. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I did with that, and that's the only example I have of fudging hit points in AC. Well, not necessarily fudging, though, but like, um, for example, I, in some of the older editions of D&D that I played, um, we had come up with some alternate rules because, again, we were trying to make this gritty and realistic where like every limb essentially had 25% of your total hit points. So if someone did a called shot and then they did 25% of your maximum, they cut off that thing. So you could cut off an arm, you cut off a leg. You could actually kill someone with one headshot if you did a called shot head hit and then did enough damage uh, percentage-wise of the maximum because we were trying to make this more realistic. Well, if I have 100 health points overall, my head can't be more than 20. So I'll do a called shot, do 20, bam, just kill everything. And... You know, to Caleb's point earlier, it made it a lot more complicated. You had to add in the modifiers for called shots, and then you had like, you know, like a normal called shot was negative four. But if you wanted to hit something like a hand or a head, you had to, we went to negative eight, and then you had to figure out what the 25% ratio was to see if you remove something. And, you know, there were times where it created very cool moments, but Overall, I think it just slowed the game down and made it less fun. Have either of you ever used rules like to that nitty gritty with D&D or another system that does more gritty hit points? The only thing I did like that was Battletech, but that was a that was a war game where you actually when you shot, you know, you you'd roll to see where on the mech you you put the damage and then you'd actually tick off the damage and if you did tick off all the damage on that part, that part would stop working or stop working as well. But that's the only thing I've done to be that 
I mean, cold shots are cold shots, but besides that, that's that's the closest I've right. But but that's my, a mechanic of that game. It, right. It, it's yeah. not a no, house it's in rule the game. Or yeah, all, no, yeah. no, no, no okay. it's in the game. Okay, and that's still a valid point that there are games that do that. Um, yes. There's a game I've never played it. I think it's called Aces and Eights. It's a Western game. And my understanding is they have this really weird mechanic where there's like a like a silhouette based off of how you're standing. Yep, I've heard and that. And then you put like mm-hmm. a targeting reticle over that silhouette and you roll. And the better you roll, the more towards the center you get. So you could wing someone in the shoulder or the leg. Um, if they're by, down behind cover and the only thing you can see is the head, you're more likely to miss. But if you do hit, you hit them in the head. So it, it sort of tries to emulate what an actual shootout would be. Not played it. It sounds really interesting, but I wonder about, you know, after you've done that five times, is it still fun or is it just like, oh, God, I want to get this over with? So I don't know. I haven't played it, but I thought it was interesting. What about you, Caleb? I know you're more of a, again, our crunch master. Have you played in some old 3-5 games or Pathfinder that did crunchier hit point mechanics? Well, not exactly. I mean, 3-5 and Pathfinder, I have always viewed those systems as hit points being more like health points. Think video game terms, your blue life bar going down until you get to zero. I'm sorry, blue would be mana, red would be health. Get it right. It could be the other way. There's different (laughs) games, but whatever. Your life bar, whichever way you want it, whatever color it is, when your life bar gets to zero, you're dead. We like people of all colored life bars. You're right. right. We, We are very welcoming and accepting of all here at our gaming table at the Academy. But 3-5 and Pathfinder are much more liberal with their application of healing magics, with potions and spells and armor that heals in in reaction to an attack, it's a lot easier to get hit points back. So making those hit points be a little bit more fluid in their definition is okay. Um, I do remember playing an old elf quest game. That was a uh, a D10 percentile-based system. And on your character sheet, you actually had uh, a picture of your elf in silhouette. And after you determined your hit points, you would fill out little tiny spaces on the silhouette of your character, corresponding to head, torso, your arms and your legs. And very similar to what you were describing before, if a called shot was made to one of those specific body parts, it would have its own consequences. So if I took enough damage on one of my limbs, I would have a penalty to my attacks. If I took enough damage to one of my legs, I would have a movement penalty. And I don't really remember how the rule system worked, it was a really long time ago, and I didn't like it because I don't like percentile-based games. But it was really complicated. I remember that. Because in addition to taking an extra 5 or 10 minutes in character creation to split up my hit points between these six different random body parts, we then also had to kind of stop the action with each attack and say, okay, where did this hit me? What does this mean? Did it cross this percentage? Did I lose the threshold? That kind of thing. I think that really is the the thing. The games that make this more realistic, it, it's a time factor. If, if you're willing to give up the time it takes to get to that level of granularity, then you're probably a person that would enjoy that level of granularity, and they want to have a character that has a bum leg, because that is interesting. You know, you have to role-play that, and it makes tactical decisions more difficult, makes you know some decisions more interesting. But for me, I, I would rather just move a little faster, and then, you know, more role-play. I can role-play I have a bum leg, but not necessarily have a mechanical benefit. But I'm, I kind of interrupt you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, that's fine, because talking about consequences then brings us back to fate. And fate, as a mechanic, doesn't have hit points at all. Uh, You have stress boxes, and stress boxes essentially reflect your ability to absorb damage. Because if, if we look at fate, fate says, when you get hit, you're taken out of the combat. Period. If you choose to absorb that hit with your stress boxes or if you take a consequence for your character, 
you can continue fighting. Now the stress boxes immediately empty at the end of every combat situation, and the consequences, their severity. So that's shifting damage to more of a role-playing aspect. If you get punched in the face, you're probably going to get knocked out. However, if you choose to continue fighting, there is a penalty. And that's what consequences are in terms of fate. Well, one thing I really like about Fate 2, and, and even as much as I like D&D and I like the way it works, if there was one change that I would make, it would be dividing hit points uh, into mental and physical. And that's probably already more granular than I'd want to get more crunchy. But I like the idea of Fate that you have mental stress and you have physical stress because that... Cause like when, like I don't like psionics in D and D. Like I, I've never liked them in the game at all. But part of that is because the way they have to shoehorn in the abilities to make it make sense that they're attacking hit points rather than like a mental defense. And I would, I would like to see it where you have a mental defense and you have a physical defense. Cause then you could have like a wizard who has poor health, but actually really good about defending their mind. Uh, against psionics. I just, to me, that makes more sense, even though I've already said earlier, I'm, I'm more about the action than the reality. That's one that just kind of violates my worldview and it, it bothers me. But I like fate, how they have the both. One of the other things about um, about that is those lasting consequences. Like you say, if you have a, a minor consequence, it's probably over that seam. If you have a moderate to a severe, that's something that could be with your character for game sessions. In D&D, there isn't really a method for that, but I know people have house-ruled that. Have either of you ever house-ruled something where just getting hit points back doesn't actually cure you? Like you have a broken arm and the DM's like, okay, your arm's broken for a week. I don't care. You go to the highest cleric on the mountain and they do a full restoration. You still got a bum arm for a week and you have to role-play that. Have you dealt with that? Have you seen it? Or what are your thoughts on that? We'll start with you, Matthew. I'm trying to think if I've, I've seen it or dealt with it. I know a guy who used to uh, punish his players like that for missing sessions. Uh, he um, Don't do that, people. That's just being a jackass. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, what did he do? He took off somebody's arm because they missed a session, and it was just that, that that's gone. But no, I can't remember a time where I've done that or, or played in a game where that happened. Have you, Caleb, have you ever played in a game with, uh, like a D&D game with lasting injuries or anything like that? No, not at all. Um, I think. What would if, you think if we did? Like, if I wanted in our game, if I just said, "Okay, you get hit," and like, there's no rules for it, but I just say, "Yeah, you got your arm cut off." Like, would would that be like a cool thing for your character to deal with, or you just be like, "Ah, fuck, that's stupid." Uh, I kind of feel like it'd be stupid, but I also feel it would be cool if the rules were structured to balance it out. If there was a system of applicable penalties. Where if if I lose an arm or my I, I just break my arm, uh, I'm essentially getting you know negatives stacked upon me for going forward until it's healed. That could be an interesting way to play a game. I don't necessarily think it fits in the D and D format though, because Dungeons and Dragons, by definition, has magical healing, and in a game that has magical healing. It's essentially a do-over button. It's an erase button. In, in that context, in that pretend world where magical energy can heal wounds and bring people back to life, permanent consequences don't always make a lot of sense. But it can still be a factor. Um, t- let's take a look at monsters, probably mostly in older editions, that would inflict negative levels. Negative levels would lower your hit points, lower your ability to attack, lower your saving throws, and those were consequences that could only be removed by certain spells. And I remember plenty of 3.5 edition games where the cleric didn't have enough of those spells prepared, or didn't have any prepared at all. So we had to deal with those consequences. So in that sense, there can be lasting consequences, but it's again defined within that version of the rules. 
And it's arbitrary if you're not playing with a system that has those rules. And I think that's where most people would be upset is if the DM's like, oh, it'd be really cool if I cut off the fighter's arm. And, you know, there's this now 10 level arc he has to go through where he learned he retrains to fight with his left hand. And, you know, and it's going to be this epic story. The player's like, dude, I just lost my arm. Like, that's, you know, that's not cool because the DM arbitrarily made that decision there wasn't a mechanical, unless you sat down beforehand and said, hey, we're going to play with these critical tables or these fumble tables, that kind of thing. It just seems like it's a very arbitrary decision. Now, one thing about the D&D hit points too, and again, I'm a fan of 5th edition, but in the older editions where it was more health points, one of the things that bothered me is that I could have 37 hit points or health points. I could get down to one, and I'm still fighting exactly the same. But then I take that one more point of damage and now I'm unconscious, which again, 5th edition has handled that. But in those old editions, it, they used to bother me, and I thought there should be consequences, um, like hindrances to me as I get lower in hit points, which Savage Worlds does. And I'm not the most educated, and I probably will screw it up some, but basically in Savage Worlds, everybody just has three wounds. And once you take one wound, everything you do is at negative one to represent that. You take two wounds, everything's at negative two. Three wounds, everything's at negative three. You take one more wound after that, and you're dying. You're on the d- death chart. And I think they they handle it very well. It moves very quick. It's a lot like D&D hit points in that, that it's, it doesn't take a long time. It's still abstract. But I actually do enjoy the idea of as I get hurt, it makes my ability to do other things suffer. Have you guys played Savage Worlds? Are you familiar? Like, What are your thoughts on that mechanic? My only uh, experience with Savage Worlds was with a few people, and uh, we stopped right on the verge of me dying, so I actually have no idea how to relate to it. (laughs) I have not played Savage Worlds, but I do like that concept that as you uh, absorb more damage, there are penalties. Now, you could very easily throw a house rule into 5th edition that if you are below half hit points you have disadvantage on your attacks. Because that advantage-disadvantage mechanic is so easy to manipulate, that would be one very, very simple way to incorporate that. In an older, more numerically-based D20 system, you would have to start talking about stacking negative 1, negative 2, negative 3 on your actions, and that can get a little bit messy. Um, I have an idea in my head of, of a system that I cannot remember the name or the exact mechanics of it, but uh, instead of having hit points or health points, you had a string of boxes that you would fill up with the various types of damage you would take, Uh, whether it was essentially punching damage that you could absorb or a more piercing slashing damage that would represent more severe bodily harm, and the more boxes you filled up, the worse it affected your rolls. Um, I want to say it was a, a D10-based system, where your abilities would have multiple D10s that you were rolling successes, and when you had so many boxes of damage filled up, it would subtract from those D10s that you'd be rolling. Now, one system that sort of handles this a little bit different way, uh, if we look to one of the older Star Wars systems, Star Wars gave PCs hit points and wound points. Uh, Hit points more reflected endurance, uh, especially because some of the feats and abilities required you to spend those hit points to do things. And wound points were basically just your raw constitution score. And if you lost all your wound points, you were dead. If you lost all your hit points, you were simply unconscious or immobile. Uh, If you lost all your hit points but were still in the fight, you would start losing wound points. So the damage would essentially bleed over, and certain attacks, specifically lightsabers, would cut straight to wound points. It It would just ignore hit points. So Another concept with dealing with this idea of endurance versus health versus grievous bodily harm is simply two types of numbers to monitor, one of which is more important than the other. 
And you could do that with D&D fairly easily. Um, you know, you could just take your hit points and cut them in half. The top half is more of a stamina. The bottom half is more health. And then maybe like a critical hit goes, it bypasses the top half and goes straight to the bottom half. So a, a well-timed critical hit could take you out even though you, you know, didn't lose all your hit points. The problem with that at low levels, if you're a first-level wizard and you got six hit points, one critical hit and you're going to go down, which probably one critical hit you, you would anyways, but I just feel like at lower levels it would be tragic. What were you going to say, Matthew? What we, what you just described was fourth edition. What I just described or what no, Michael, what just, Michael described? just described? No, what Michael just described, the half the hit points and then going, and then, you know, that that's literally fourth edition because at half hit points you were bloodied. If you did more than half hit points in one attack, you were out. Like, you automatically went unconscious. So, don't tell wizards that you just reinvented 4th edition hit points, but you literally just did. Well, I, I played quite a lot of 4th edition when it came out. I don't. I, I remember the bloody mechanic, and I still use that terminology in my current games because I still think it's a good identifier yeah. for it, the game. But I don't. I don't remember the half hit point go unconscious thing. Yeah, if if you do a if you do a, an attack that was more than half someone's hit points, you put them out. Hmm. Yeah, I, and there were also. On, a lot of powers and abilities that would trigger when you were bloodied or when your yes. opponent was bloodied yep. in 4th right. edition. Um, in 5th edition, I think the game itself is so deadly that adding in another score or stat to monitor for health isn't really necessary. Um, in 5th edition, enemies do a lot of damage and PCs don't have much hit points or health points, however you want to describe it. So this is a system where it's really, really easy to die. So adding in another mechanic really is ne is not necessary, in my opinion. Now, I do kind of like the idea I brought up of below a certain ratio, you have disadvantage on certain attacks or certain checks. I feel, though, if you started that at a low-level campaign, your players would always be rolling disadvantage, which would not be fun. So I don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, it it creates an additional effect that which in limited times could end up being cool. But I think overall, the grand scheme of things, it would be less cool than it would be fun. And I'm always going to lean toward the fun quotient. Now, one thing you brought up earlier, I just want to touch on quickly, it was in 3.5 edition, you talked about playing with uh, monsters that would have negative levels, like as an attack. I believe a lot of the undead creatures could do that. For the record, I fucking hate those. I think they're dumb, and I never use them, because that makes levels a mechanical artifact that just i didn't like the fact i mean it's just like if you walked into a tavern and the wizard goes oh thank you have one level for completing this quest and i know essentially that's still what happens when you get experience points for completing the quest but just having it be something like in the game that's a thing that people recognize again just violated my worldview and i i, I hated that aspect that you would lose a level because of a creature hitting you and it probably was just terminology or semantics. They could have changed the name a little bit. And I would have been happy, but I never liked those. But one thing that I have introduced even into my fifth edition game is the idea of cursed wounds. And the time I used them, they weren't actually cursed. It was poison. But the idea is that I gave my characters a wound that would not heal by magic. It could only be healed by rest. And it basically it was one hit point per day of rest, magical healing would not be effective. And there's a reason why it's in there and it probably will come out at some point in time. But have you guys, again, like in 5th edition or others, have you made up your own rules around that? I know I've done things where like there's certain areas of the world that have been uh, affected by some malady and like wounds just don't heal at all until you leave that place. Have you ever done anything like that that's more of a narrative thing versus mechanical, but it has a mechanical crunch to it? Uh, not specifically, no. Um, I did make up a house rule with one of my older games where there was limited magical healing in the world, and if you took a, a large enough blow in a fight, you could choose to accept a consequence very similar to the fate style of things, instead of losing that value of hit points. Um, the cursed 
wound concept that you are talking about um, is definitely interesting. It, it feels a lot more narrative than strictly mechanically uh, introduced to your game. As long as your players were willing to go along with it, I think that would be fine. Uh, specifically in the 5th edition world, you are basically for that time being lowering their maximum HP. And you're restricting their ability to use their spells or natural class abilities. So I'm sure some people would argue against that because you're taking a little bit away from the powers of the character class. So as long as your players were on board with it and they didn't view that as you altering the game just on your own whims, that would be okay. I was trying to emulate, and it didn't work out exactly the way I wanted to, but I was trying to emulate the scenes that I've seen in dozens of movies and read in you know dozens of books where the heroes are wounded and they need to recover, so they spend three or four days in the, the village and the villagers sort of protect them and aid them, and they get they grow fond of the villagers so that later when something bad happens, they feel somewhat obligated. And again, I've already said I like the way 5th edition does hit points, but in that case... That's that's a scene that's never really going to happen. It's a scene that would have happened in old versions of D&D where you had to go back to town for a week to recover between each battle. But in 5th edition, you recover so quickly. It was a way to kind of create that scene where they were sort of obligated to get rest, have people take care of them, and to give them two or three days of downtime that would allow them to recover, share some information. And I was just basically trying to create that feeling in the game and that's why it was in there. So it, it's, it was more narrative than anything, but I didn't want to just say, hey, can you guys spend three days in the village before you do anything else? And, you know, I wanted to feel, my favorite word, organic, to the story. And I still like it as a concept, and it's something I probably will continue to use. What about you, Matthew? How do you feel about Cursed Wounds in 5th edition? I mean, I don't mind the concept, and I, and I, and I understand it, but I've never dealt with it in the past, so I can't wait to get dealt one and deal with it and maybe it'll make me angry or happy or whatever it'll do but I've never never had to deal with one previously so I have no experience <laughs> but of course you could also argue that to accomplish that end narrative goal of the PCs being in a town for a couple days for role playing opportunities and to foster relationships with NPCs you could just as easily do that with your wagon's broken and it takes two days to fix. Or you guys need to wait for the boat to show up for the next leg of your journey and it takes two days to show up. You don't have to tie it to hit points or wounds or some new altered mechanic. And I'm not saying that to no. argue against what you've come up with. I'm just playing devil's advocate for someone who might not like that view of taking control away from the players. Right. No, and, and that's totally valid. I mean, it goes back to the same thing I said about shooting the bow and hitting the goblin in the shoulder and they can't attack or you have them shoot it in the, their bow, they can't attack. In both cases, the DM is basically making that up. But the way you do it in one way makes the characters feel like you've validated their agency and another one, it just makes it like it's part of the story. So actually, I really like the idea of just saying, oh, the boat's late. It's going to be two days before you can get on the boat. Right, right. Um, I think if you wanted to use the idea of a cursed wound that doesn't heal through natural magic, that's also a, a good way to incorporate uh, another side quest or a mini quest. I mean, it's it's basically you can make this type of damage its own MacGuffin that it will not heal until you go find this one item or talk to this one guy and he might give you a side quest or, or find something that you need. But of course, if you don't want to have that in your story then your players might just view that as a pointless side quest. If you tie it into the main quest somehow, it'd be more exciting. Right. But going back real quick to the negative levels that you mentioned before, yes, it, they were absolutely super, super number crunchy and mechanically inclined, but that's because 3.5 was a very, very crunchy levels are important system. So, but I think they predate that. I think negative levels was even in like first and second edition, if I remember correctly. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they I may be wrong. I'm sure they were, but we're talking about three five because I don't really remember the older systems very much. Um, now I will agree with you that I hated them 
but because as a GM, I just didn't want to do the math. So I always avoided those creatures because I didn't want to deal with it, not because I didn't like the fact that it took away the numbers or made the numbers more important. Um, I liked that. I like the concept of negative levels um, because I think it involved that theory of consequences and a monster doing something that wasn't just damage. Because well, I think it, in a lot of ways it goes back to our last episode about metagaming is that you're instilling a fear in the player, which is translating to the character. Like, you know, that player isn't afraid that his character is fighting a vampire because it's just another thing, another sack of hit points it has to fight. But if it knows that the thing that it's fighting is going to make its character weaker, that, oh, crap, that thing can kill me in three hits because I want to lose all my con bonuses for three levels, you've now instilled fear in the player. So I, I, from, I guess from that aspect, it makes sense. It, it's a way to simulate the, the, the tone of the game through mechanical means rather than through narrative means. I just wish, I, I think like what you said earlier, saying that it, you drop the maximum hit points. For some reason, to me, that makes a lot more sense and is a lot more elegant of a way to accomplish the same thing than saying you lose levels. Like that's just, I, I know they're both game terms and I don't know why, but for one, for some reason, one of them just makes me angry and the other one's like, oh yeah, that works. <laughs> well, if we're looking at 5th edition where hit points are endurance, if you got hit by a creature that is inhibiting your ability to fight, that damage would translate to he is absorbing your endurance. He is lowering your maximum endurance. So in that case, a a monster that is just slashing away at your hit points makes more sense in the definition of negative levels. But in 5th edition, that's nothing special. If if 5th edition, it's just endurance, there's no difference between I'm hitting you with a sword and I'm sucking up your endurance. It's all the same thing. So if we, if we wanted to invent a monster that was a negative level, quote-unquote, he would have to be incurring some other type of penalty, and that would, of course, interfere with the balance of 5th edition mechanics. So, conceptually, I don't think negative levels that we've been talking about fit into the 5th edition world. No, I don't think so either. Uh, It's more of a crunchy mechanic that I don't don't think 5th edition would embrace. Doesn't mean it's not possible. Certainly, homebrew, you can do whatever you want. But, again, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's like something that fits seamlessly into what 5th edition is doing. Well, we have talked a lot about hit points, actually a lot more than I thought we would. Um, is there any big picture stuff that we left out? I know I wanted to hit cursed wounds, and I wanted to hit different types of hit points and some of the crunchier alternate rules. Is there anything else that anybody wants to talk on before we uh, move on to the next part of the show? I think negative levels only should be used in Munchkin. That's that's a that's a good rule, but the it's Munchkin the is Munchkin is nothing more than than the numbers of one to 10. So it's <laughs> exactly. totally fine. Yeah, exactly. it's totally fu- right. It's totally fine in that case. Um, I can't really think of anything else we want to cover here. I mean, we could talk forever about what hit points mean. Um, mm. I, I don't think that there will ever be a game that people will say adequately is realistic because it's a game. I mean, if we really want to be realistic if someone walked up and hit you with a sword, you're probably dead. You're at least going to go down. You're at least right. going to fall over and be like, ah! Right. <laughs> if, if we're playing a modern game and someone shoots you, you're definitely dead. Probably. <laughs> you're definitely probably dead. Yeah, at least mostly dead. And that's not fun. If, if I'm playing a game, yes, the risk of oh my god, one hit and I am out of this game, does invoke some tension and some fear, and it translates that mood adequately at the table, but that's also not fun. If I roll up a character, and I'm in one fight, and I'm out for the rest of the game, I I might rage quit. Well, I, I will counter that it's not fun for you, and it would not be fun for me, but there are probably players out there that would really enjoy 
that sort of level of uh, fear, you know, like if I get hit once, I'm dead. But the same thing, if I shoot something one time, it's dead. Absolutely. I, I can see groups enjoying that, but that would not be a game that I would enjoy. It's called hardcore mode in like Diablo and uh, in, like shooter games. Well, I will say though, because I, I know I'm a little bit older than both of you, but I was in college when the Nintendo 64 came out, uh, the GoldenEye, basically the first big multiplayer the game. Golden Gun. I would only, I'd only play that on Golden Gun. I hated every other mode, <laughs> but it was different when it was a five minute game and you just rotate. We we called it playing Gimp. I shit you not, we would have ten people in line, and whoever was the worst player had to rotate out. We just had people rotate in for like ten, fifteen hours straight. It was awesome. This is before you could have split screens, and we had a 27-inch TV, and we actually built our own screen out of wood so that people couldn't cheat. So you could only stick your head in there. You could only see your square of the screen. We we would play Golden Gun Slappers only. So you could only hit people with melee attacks. (laughs) It was the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah. But it was so much fun. It was was. was outstanding Uh, fun. Golden Gun was the best. But again... I'm on the record that my video game uh, mode is ma- vastly different than my role-playing game. Video games, I will cheat. I will use codes. I will use glitches. I'm all min-max. Role-playing games, I just want to have a good time, tell some jokes, have a, uh, you know, have a tell a fun story. But I think we've hit hit points pretty thoroughly. We've had a couple different people request that we talk about hit points, so I'm hoping that we did justice to the topic. If there was an avenue that we missed, we overlooked, or we just didn't go quite down the road as far as you would like, please let us know, and this is a topic that we may be able to revisit. Uh, we've already gotten some feedback that our metagaming episode, we missed a bunch of stuff, so uh, we may have Metagamers 2, the metagaming here soon, where we talk about that. <laughs> the metagaming. Yeah. Uh, So we will move on. Uh, Pretty much we're going to wrap up the show with just a couple quick announcements. Uh, Thank you very much, Matthew, for joining us tonight. We were supposed to play Caleb's uh, fifth edition game in the last minute. That got canceled. So we decided to not waste the opportunity to get together. So I appreciate you joining us for this. Uh, But a couple quick announcements. I wanted to reiterate that the RPG Academy Network has grown. We have recently added the Sharkbone Sandbox podcast. Uh, So please, hopefully you will give them some love as well. Uh, RPG Gamer Dad, who was one of the first podcasts, actually was the first podcast on our network, he guest hosted on them a couple episodes ago. Caleb is a guest host on the most recent episode. And I, yours truly... Professor Fluff will be a future guest host on that episode as well. And all of that was organized before we even added them to the network. They're, they're good guys, Devin and Christopher. Um, I like what they do. So please show them some love. Obviously, RPG Gamer Dad. I'm a big fan of his podcast. And I promise you, we are going to get a game on Gamers Plane started soon. I know that Devin and some people already have one, but uh, we have just not yet got our act together, but it's coming. Uh, and then I want to cover quickly the Gen Con schedule. Nothing is official yet, but we have three events that are uh, in review status right now. One is a pre-Gen Con get-together. It's going to be Wednesday at 6 p.m. I submitted it as an official event because I wanted them to give us space. So that way we don't have to worry about trying to find space on our own or being in a hotel room or something. So if it works out, we will actually have a place within the convention center that we can utilize to get a, have a get-together. And uh, I hope we have a bunch of people show up because last year it was probably one of my most fun games, most fun times. And I think this year will be even bigger and better. Um, and then we have two games that we have on the schedule. One is a D&D 5th edition game, this will, which will be a prequel to the Made Men game. So if you're a longtime fan, uh, you might find that interesting. And then the other one is going to be, I think I said it was a midnight Dread game. It's not actually a midnight game. It's going to be like a nine to one. So midnight will happen. Uh, Dread game that I think Caleb and I may co-DM. We're still working out the details on that. But either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, once those hit our official, I will tweet them out and let people know. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing some people there. Matthew, do you have anything uh, you want to promote or talk about before we get off here? Uh, I'm just waiting on my emails for guest hosting and these other shows. But besides that, no, I'm good. (laughs) Okay, all right. What about you, Caleb? (laughs) Uh, No, nothing specifically that I want to bring up other than... No, wait, let me take that back. There are two things I specifically want to bring up. Point number one. Point the first. Point the first. People should invite Matthew to be on their show because Matthew <laughs> is a cool guy. Wow. I have a fan club, guys. 
I he's kind of he's kind of gimped up right now. So <laughs> other than playing Goldeneye, he doesn't have a lot to do. So he's got time on his hands. <laughs> oh man, definitely. Oh, I was playing Goldeneye today. And point the second. Uh, since Michael was talking about Gen Con, we should also mention that our Gen Con contest is still continuing. Basically, you can win a free four-day pass to Gen Con. All you have to do is listen to any of our older, previously aired shows and come up with a better title than Michael did. That's pretty Which easy. Which won't be that hard. No. Uh, go ahead and send that in to us uh, with the episode you listen to, the number of that episode, the title of that episode, and your new title, and you will be entered into our contest. Uh, we will pick the best and then put the best of the best up for public voting. Um, I think right now we still only have one entry. Is that correct? Well, he entered multiple times, but there's only wow. one person that has entered. Uh, he sent in, I think, five or six different episode titles, and some of them were really good. I actually uh, got a kick out of them. It, it it really made me smile to see what other people took out of that, and and they thought things that they thought were funny or interesting. So it, it definitely it was a kick for me to see that, and I would like to see more. So please send in some more suggestions or some more entries. As an employee, I'm not allowed to uh, enter the contest, right? Are you actually going to go to Gen Con? Uh, unknown, but I'm just saying as an employee, I'm not allowed to answer the contest, right? <laughs> well, since I don't pay you, you're not technically an employee oh. or a volunteer. I, I, I was going to say that you can choose to enter the contest, but then you will be waiving your sal- your future salary. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Mm. You'll come out ahead with the badge. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Thanks for attending the RPG Academy and listening to our podcast. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. This podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We will use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out numerous ways. One, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. Also, if you clear your cookies and then visit Amazon or DriveThruRPG through our portal, we get a kickback from your orders, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like an RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com, or you can reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google+. We are there under the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, Caleb G., at... The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.